It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Michael Barton of the Oklahoma Thunder Buddies podcast to discuss the Oklahoma City Thunder what their expectations are next season, recapping the offseason, and, of course, the roster crunch, which has everyone in a tizzy so far. We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter uh, at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by, by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today. We're going to talk about the Thunder expectation level recap the offseason and the roster crunch with Michael Martin of the Oklahoman, the Thunder Buddies podcast and thundersintentions.com. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing great. Glad to be back on Shot at Redemption like we were talking about last uh, before we started recording. First time I was on here, um, just didn't turn on the lights in my my apartment. So it looked like I was trying to conceal my identity, but proud to be here. Happy to be back. By the lights being off, the lights were too bright last time. So this is your shot at, at bouncing back. So you know, we love adversity on this podcast. It's true. I mean, we root for Darius Baisley, we root for Jared Butler, and so we like adversity. But, Michael, let's go all the way back to the draft. And the Thunder move up in the top 10 to get Kaysen Wallace. Now, we've seen him play Summer League. What is your initial opinion on, on Kaysen Wallace and how he fits with the Thunder? So going to the draft, Kaysen was one of my favorite guys for the Thunder just because I looked at the other guys around and I just wasn't all that impressed. I think that guys like Grady Dick and Jordan Hawkins could be nice, but their upside just isn't as high as a guy who can play on both ends. And I, you know, Andrew Schleck tried to get everybody up in the Buffkin train, but I was uh, more Kaysen. And then I was uh, surprised they traded up for him. But so far, I've really enjoyed watching him. He's been exactly what I thought he would be as just a plus defender. And then a guy who just doesn't make a lot of mistakes offensively. He's almost like a game managing quarterback in that way. And then I, I compared him on a different Thunder Buddies, another football comparison to like um, Nick Chubb from the Browns, where it's like, I don't feel like he's that fast, but he's going past guys. And Kaysen is just getting past guys. And he's just super fundamental in both side, on both sides of the floor. And I think that he has a really nice chance not to be somebody who's like an all-star, but somebody who's going to be a high-end role player and maybe a nice starter. So I agree. I think that Kaysen being picked at 10 was uh, interesting and was likely the right pick for OKC. Now, what was your take on Derek Lively? Because I feel like there's two camps on Lively for the Thunder specifically. Uh, which one do you fall into uh, for Derek Lively? If he was on the Thunder, would you have drafted him? Did you even want him on the Thunder? 
I did not. I <laughs> I was on the more pessimistic side with Derek Lively. I got the hype, the shooting stuff I saw, but it just didn't really convince me. To me, Derek Lively just feels like every one of those Texas bigs that's come over in the last like 10 years of guys like Mo Bamba and Kai Jones. And uh, you can go down the line of uh, Mo Bamba, Kai Jones, um, Jackson Hayes was the one. And he just feels like one of those guys. And I feel like if you put a Longhorn stamp on him, maybe he doesn't go 12. He definitely has upside as a rim protector. But drafting a rim protector that high who doesn't really project to do much else, I think doesn't seem like it would be very fruitful for the Thunder, especially as a team where you want to play Chet at the five most of the time. Yeah, I, I was not on board with, with selecting Derek Lively. I think that if you end up looking at this roster and you end up playing this season out and you say, well, this team does need like a, a different big man, a different five than Chet, that's okay. Like It's okay to, 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 to have that happen and then not say, well, they should have drafted Derek Lively because guys like Derek Lively and better than Derek Lively, frankly – are so much easier to acquire than top half of the lottery. You can get them in so many other ways. Um, so I, I don't really worry about that. And the Thunder want to see Chet at the five. I think everyone should want to see Chet at the five. I think that can actually uh, work really well. I think there's a weird disconnect between like most fans and people in the NBA, like Patrick Beverly, Kevin Garnett. Like People in the NBA are, are always talking about how Chet's a dog and how Chet's going to uh, block shots and work out the center position. And then then fans are like, no, there's no way this is going to work. And so I tend to side a little bit more with the people in the NBA who continue to say that about Chet than not until we're, you know, until they're proven wrong as uh, these guys that have played against them and, uh, and, and know what it takes to play in the NBA. So I was on the same side with Derek Lively of like, I, I wouldn't want to see him in OKC. And, and even at Duke, he wasn't some, you know, incredible glass cleaner. He wasn't, you know, that this, this deep, you know, this kind of a center that you would want. Plus, centers of his archetype take a long time to to develop and to grow and to get minutes. And so I think that there's going to be some growing pains for him. But luckily for him, he landed in a, in a great situation. We're playing off of Luka, off of Kyrie, off of uh, you know that, that roster. Plus, Tyson Chandler uh, heavily in development with him right now with the Mavericks. And so he'll, he'll be with a great organization to help him. But I just didn't see it in OKC either. And so with that being said, for me, the reason that I was so high on the, the pick of, of Kaysen it's because everyone else was so high on, like, fell in the draft for some reason. Like, Leonard Miller, I was extremely high on him. He, he, he went in the second round. Now, it looks like a tremendous pick, but but he he went in the second round. So, like, uh, you, you take some of those names away, and like you mentioned, Grady Dick. You know, I, I like Grady Dick. I was a Grady Dick fan and still am a Grady Dick fan. And I think that I think that if you put Grady Dick in OKC, he could have had a lot of success uh, because you, you have Josh Giddy, You have guys to set him up as a play finisher. But – you also have Casey Wallace, who shot 40% from three at Kentucky for the majority of the season. So you still get that three-point shooting ability, plus with everything else that he can provide. So I can at least see the vision there uh, with, with taking Kaysen at 10. So to me, I, I think that the Thunder have kind of nailed uh, this draft with, with the two picks that they had. Yeah, and you get Dort Insurance and Kaysen because they play very similarly. And we talked about Grady after the draft, um, and I said that I was glad that it was Kaysen instead of Grady because with Grady, his thing is – Unless he shoots the lights out, I just don't see a direct path for him long term in the NBA. Like the thing, the hypothetical I threw out at you was like, let's say he's a much better rebounder, defender, ball handler, passer than we project, but he shoots 33% from three. That it just doesn't matter. And you're seeing that with guys like Duncan Robinson who are constantly getting moved, uh, Bertans, Bogdanovich. Like these guys are always widely available. And I would just rather take a chance on a guy like Casey who has a two way upside and. If all else fails, he's going to be somebody who you can put in the rotation to play defense for 
chunks of minutes and he's not going to just get pay, uh, played off the floor. So everyone who listens to this podcast obviously knows my opinion on the Thunder offseason. I think that they've done a great job this offseason of they got their guy uh, at 10 in case in Wallace. And from the free agency standpoint, they didn't go out and make a massive splash. They didn't do anything crazy, but they were able to continue to compile picks, which is going to elongate their window of success. And it's going to allow them to dominate the trade deadline from this point forward. It's going to allow them to fill out their roster as this team gets expensive. You're going to fill out this roster with cost controlled talent. Uh, and, and so for me, even though the, the the cap space went to players who won't make a massive impact in OKC and, and for many of them won't make a impact in OKC, I still think that this is a great offseason for OKC. Where are you at on what the Thunder have done with that cap space, about how they've gotten creative to take on picks? Would you have gone a different route with it, or do you like what the Thunder have done? I like what they've done because the truth is you want to see what you have with these guys on the roster and using extra picks that you have to bring in somebody else also will hinder somebody else's development. And bringing in these guys who are dead money along with um, picks that you can use later is great. And the thing is, with roster crunch, you're going to have to cut a few guys. That's just the reality of the NBA. If you're going to draft really well like the Thunder do and have a smart front office, at some point, some guys are going to get away. That's just the reality of things. But I like what they've done. Um, they moved up and got Kaysen. And the Bertans contract, although it looks bad right now, is only $5 million guaranteed if he plays 75% of the games. I think I can break that news now. He will not be playing in 75% of those games. So he could be a tempting guy to move at the deadline, but the, I think the Thunder have a lot of flexibility uh, without necessarily just having a log jam across their roster like they would if they did go the opposite end and use their cap space on guys who are out there and overpaid for whoever you uh, want to say. So I, I agree with with that, obviously. And I think that the Bretons thing is interesting because I don't foresee him being a cut because his contract's so big this offseason. And I and I really don't foresee there being a trade. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. But real quick on Bretons, what makes him so interesting to me is the strategy behind playing him. I think that in spot minutes, he can come into a game and he can you know maybe get hot and, and nail three threes in 10 minutes or, you know, or whatever and, and help your offense go and help you win a game. Uh, and I think that he can do that in, in reduced – impact roles very well like you mentioned though you can't play in a certain percentage of games uh to in order to be able to cut him for five million dollars and so if you want to move him at the deadline for the sake of having the most flexibility possible do you try to severely reduce his games played up until the deadline that way if another team that wants to play him as a contender kind of sees him and says well we need some some just shooting off the bench like last year Boston won in Muscala, not to be some massive impact player for their rotation, but hey, at least he's another shooter off the bench that we can go to if we have to. And so would you would you rather you know play him as little as possible to keep that number as small as possible to where you can go to a team like a Boston who might be good and need someone to shoot, uh, you know, and, and needs someone to come in in those situations that, that can now use him and still keep him under that marker uh, and cut him for $5 million in the offseason? Uh, instead of if you play him up to that line and then you shut him down and then you trade him, uh, you have to trade him to a team that has cap space to take him on that can just sit him and send him home and not play him at all the rest of the year. So I think that finding that balance of, of how to play him and how to use him, a player who could be impactful in spot minutes as a shooter, is going to be very interesting this season, at least for sickos like us. It's a good question. I mean, I just looked it up. 75% of the games out of the 82-game schedule would be at 62. So if he plays under 62, he's not going to hit that mark. And the thing is, I 
maybe he could turn it around and add some positive trade value to his contract and his deal where he ends up being a guy like you mentioned who could get flipped at the deadline to help another team. But more than anything, I think he's going to be dead money that you can move out to a team who then wants to give you their bad money they're trying to get off and they give you another pick. I think that's the more likely scenario. Will he play for the Thunder? I definitely think there will be games where he comes out there and he's kind of like the Mike Muscala role. But him playing that many games, I would be very surprised. And the deadline, that's probably around 60 games in. So if you hold him out of at least half of those games, he could play in all of those games after the deadline and you would still be right underneath that sort of um, barrier where you wouldn't have to guarantee his entire contract. Yeah, and there's certainly a world where he just stays in OKC the entire season, then you cut him for $5 million next year because, it, as you mentioned, the more likely option in trading him is going to be for more money, you know, more big money. And, you know, for the sake of flexibility and for the sake of getting off of, of long-term money and getting off of uh, contracts, you're going to be hard to take on somebody that's going to be easier to get rid of than $5 million. So uh, the, the, for the sake of just, hey, this is a guy who we can waive uh, for $5 million and get, and get off of his contract, for that sake alone, I think it'll be – worth maybe more than people might think to just hold on to him because he can play for the 60 games and maybe he'll he'll knock down a few threes and maybe he'll be the difference in one or two games of this 82 game season and then it's kind of all all worth it to an extent because you got to move up to the top 10 and you got to get your guy in a case in wallace but you get to move on up to fanduel.com slash locked on today to bet on all of your favorite sporting events it's about to get really spicy over there because it's almost football season but right now it's baseball season so you can take your first swing at betting on the mlb on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to 200 dollars. so go check it out today that that's right you can just go there right now and if you bet 20 bucks you'll get 200 dollars in bonus bets no matter if you win or if you lose that's 200 dollars that you can spend uh, betting everywhere, everything with the money line, the over-under. Uh, you, you can bet on anything you want to uh, from the spread, all that good stuff at FanDuel. You can even make uh, future bets on over-unders, on team wins for the NBA, even for the, MLB, for the MLB second half of the season for NFL, college football, all that fun stuff. So check it out today. You can go there right now. It's all on the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly, which is a huge deal so check it out today. Uh, it's the official um, partner of Locked On and Major League Baseball. Check it out at Fandor.com slash Locked On. That's Fandor.com slash Locked On to get $200 in bonus bets at Fandor.com slash Locked On. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
All right, we're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball today with Michael Martin of Thunder Buddies Podcast on the Oklahoman and thundersintentions.com. Michael, the roster crunch. We've we've touched, we, we, we've touched on it a little bit. I think that we both agree that Bertans is going to survive this roster crunch, but the Thunder still have to... Uh, move on from six guys. Now, I won't necessarily put you on the hot seat of like who are your six cuts that you're gonna that you're gonna make if you were Sam Presti, but I will say the discourse around this roster crunch I think is a bit is a bit silly. Let's just put it nicely and say it's silly. Uh, the, the idea that the Thunder have had too many first round picks and this is the consequence of it is pretty ridiculous. Whenever the players that will be cut during this roster crunch are players that the Thunder were given to for free, like Rudy Gay, Victor Ladipo, like for free. Taitai Washington, Usman Gruba, like they, they were they were given away. Any team could have had them, and not only had them, but acquired second round picks in the process of getting them. And so I just don't know who these guys are that that are a massive, um, you know, surprise or a massive draw to other NBA teams who could have already had these guys. And I will say just before we we, let, we turn over to you. At most, the Thunder would cut Trey Mann and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Of course, they traded up in the second round to get Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, he's had injuries. It, it hasn't worked out. Uh, and I still think he can be a rotational player. And I think that he probably will be a rotational player once he gets that ankle under control and kind of gets back into a groove. Uh, and so, yeah, you move on, move on from a second round pick uh, who you invested to trade up with, and it just didn't work out. Trey Mann, same thing. You invested a first round pick in him. It just hasn't worked out to this point, And that's okay. And I think that that highlights why having so many future picks is a good thing not a bad thing because you can afford to take the the quote-unquote risk to go and, and get a Trey man see if he can pop in the nba and and if he can't pop initially okay you move on from him and not only strengthen your current team but also you have the the picks in the future to negate this mistake and so to me i, I don't see any downside with this roster crunch do you buy into that narrative at all that this is a sign that the thunder have had too many picks you can't have like too many picks, too many nice things. And the Thunder have already shown like earlier with the Denver deal about kicking the can down the road of, hey, Denver, do you want a first round pick this year? Uh, give it, uh, We'll give you one that we have, but we want one of your picks way, way out in the future that they can have whenever the team hopefully is contending and needs those extra picks and role players. As far as like just the numbers on the roster go, I think it's premature and I think that it's just people getting excited and there's not a lot to talk about right now because the truth is they don't have to make these cuts until through training camp. So the Thunder can just throw out the ball and say, open tryouts, who wants these minutes, who wants to be here? They're in no rush to just go, well, we have 21 guys on our roster. We're only allowed to have 15. Let's get rid of Ty Ty Washington. It's like, well, what if he has an incredible summer and he's much better than Trey Mann? What if Usman Gruva, you get him in the Thunder system and Mark Dignall gets his hands on him and he goes, I think we have something here with them. So I'm I'm with you where I don't think it's a big deal. And then just the idea that they have too many picks is just kind of crazy. The NBA draft is an inexact science where a lot of people are guessing. I mean, Sam Presti has even told us that in press conferences that we don't know what these guys are going to be. And with the draft, you want as many bites at the apple as possible. And like you mentioned, JRE, they used uh, second round picks to trade up for them. Well, guess what? You just got second round picks just for taking on some of these guys. So it's like a net neutral cost for you. And for some of these guys, they will have to buy them out. They will have to cut them. But 
I'm not so sure that there aren't certain guys late in the roster who wouldn't have suitors with trade value if the Thunder did decide, you know what, we don't want to just cut these guys just for nothing. Maybe we'll keep Ty Ty Washington, we'll move somebody else. But I think the Thunder have a lot more options than what people are looking at. Right. And to put a bow on that before we move into another roster crunch question, I, I think that you're right. You bring up stuff that Sam Presti said. A couple of things stand out of number one. He's been preaching about how the Thunder want internal development. They want internal competition at training camp. And now he's finally got that. Like he's finally got that. And he's been doing this for the last three years of, of maxing out to 20 guys. Now it's up to 21 with the new CBA that max out to 20 guys. And then he's got to cut some people. Oh, well, he cut some people and you move on. And so this year, I think that obviously you'll be cutting an actual, you know, maybe a rotational player. And then the thing is, it's maybe a rotational player uh, that you're going to cut uh, instead of like Vic Critchie or something. But nonetheless, I, I don't think that this is going to be some horrendous thing. And, and, and I think that uh, it, it you just can't have too many first round picks. It's like having too much money, as Sam Presti says. And I, I don't know about you, but I would never turn down money if anyone in the world never. wanted to give me money. I would love to have more money uh, than I have right now, especially. Uh, but you, you can never have too much money. You, you want that training camp competition, like you said. So where, where if, if Garuba or Tatai Washington or Jack White or whoever – uh, demands minutes in training camp with their play. Hey, guess what? That's a good thing. I, I don't know about you, but I want this team to be full with you know 15 guys, you know, and include the three two-way guys that can play and that and that show you know their their worth, not just are, are there because hey, you know, we invested a first round pick into them. So like, I love the the internal competition that the Thunder are willing to build and to give them the shot to to uh, go with this thing. Now you mentioned how there's other pathways to get this roster down. And one pathway that's been very uh, excitable for the Thunder fan base on social media has been the idea that maybe you make this huge consolidation trade and go get like one big star. And I just don't foresee that happening. Where are you at on that topic? I, I would be shocked with that. Uh, going back, the guys you talked about with throw-ins, Kenrich Williams was a throw-in too. So there's going to be competition and you just never know if they cut Kenrich early, you know, we wouldn't have this, but yeah, Pascal Siakam, I've heard names like that, Chris Middleton. It just doesn't make sense to me because what you don't want to do is say you trade for Pascal Siakam, you give a bunch, bunch of assets and then he comes in and he's immediately the number two on your roster. And it just makes a bunch of guys mad and lowers them on the pecking order. Like you want to give these guys as much space as possible to really spread their wings and see what they can be as players and the team's not ready to win at a championship level right now. If they are, I will come on here and apologize if they make some type of run to the conference finals or something. But everybody in this team is like under 25 other than like three guys. And it just doesn't make sense to use your assets now because you don't even know what the team needs. Like we talked about it before. It's like, is Chet a four? Is he a five? It's like, well, can we find out? Because if you trade for Pascal Siakam, you're going to have your answer whether you like it or not. And you're not going to have a lot of other options. And the other thing with Siakam is you have to pay him a lot of money to stay because he's not expiring. And if he doesn't stay, then you've just lost whatever assets you put out for him for nothing. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you just said of like the Thunder, first of all, had the cap space to absorb a contract, a big time contract without doing all these moves. So like they could have just traded for the guy and put him in the mm -hmm. cap space. Whoever this magical guy is with, with all this, you know, contract, uh, uh, tied up into them and then as you mentioned that these guys aren't going to push the needle like you 
I, I, I find the fun, the funniest thing I find about social media discourse around like the team is the same like fans who say Trey Mann or Jeremiah Robson Earl or whoever like isn't good will then turn around and say, well, could we could we trade them for all star X? It's like, well, then no, you couldn't if you don't think that they're any good. That's not really how it works. Uh, but yeah, I just don't see it happening. And I and I and I don't think that the Thunder want to be predictive. And I think that people again forget that like this is just how the Thunder operate. If they have roster spots to give away. They're going to give them away. They're going to max it out at 20. They're going to max it out at 21 and they're going to cut some people. And, and that's just how it's going to go. And so maybe you, maybe you make a, you know, quote unquote consolidation trade like you do with Houston last year where you trade Teo and Derek favors and all them to Houston to get back their cuttable p- co- contracts and you wave all their guys. Okay. Sure. If you want to count that as a big trade coming, maybe you want to take a victory lap on that. But in terms of like a trade for a big player, I don't see that happening uh, before the start of the season. Yeah, they've got all their pieces right now that kind of fit together, and it's just a question of how good can these guys be. And like we like what you talked about with the people who want to get rid of Trey and JRE and then want to trade them later and think they have value. The thing is with all these GMs, there are some that are different, but no one's really going into a trade discussion just going, man, I just want to destroy this other person. Like both people, when they're doing a trade, both people want to win the trade. They both want to have something good come out of it. And if it's not going to be good, then you just usually have the trade fall apart. I mean, there's a reason why we can name the worst trades in NBA history. It's because they're outliers. Most of these times, like most GMs would much rather have the Paul George for Sabonis and Victor Oladipo that both teams kind of won rather than these other ones. And I don't know. I, I think that there's definitely uh, talent on this roster and there's going to be some tough decisions made, but I wouldn't press that button yet because we've seen teams who have done that, who have pressed the button like heck Cleveland's in that situation right now. They were this nice up-and-coming team, much like how the Thunder are kind of in position for this year. And they traded all their assets for Donovan Mitchell and just completely sped up their entire timeline and put a lot more pressure on themselves. Atlanta did the same thing with DeJounte Murray. It's like, don't create more problems for yourself than you need to. And that's what the Thunder would be doing, in my eyes, if they traded for one of these high-end all-star type guys to just speed things up. Totally agree. And just... When you look at the roster of like who's on the chopping block, Victor Ladipo was given away, literally given away mm-hmm. by the Heat to the Thunder for picks. Tatai Washington and Usman Gruba were given away twice in a week. The Rockets gave away to Atlanta for, and, and, and paid them to get off of them. Atlanta pays OKC to get off of them too. And so like any team could have had those three guys. Rudy Gay, same situation uh, where he was just given away. And then you sign Jack White to a weird, non-guaranteed contract. Maybe he sticks around on that contract. Maybe he's cut and, and, and kind of filtered onto a two-way deal whatever like but these are the names that are on the chopping block davis pertans we don't think he's gonna get cut neither you or i do but if he were you used him to move up to the top 10 that's all you did and so you said goodbye to him if that was the case but i don't think he'll get cut because his contract number is too big but nonetheless though like these are the names on the chopping block none of them have anything to do with with too many picks none of them have anything to do with investment that, that the thunder have invested in them and had to move on from them. and none of them are viewed particularly highly around the nba considering that they've been given away uh, by the nba and once you get that kind of mark on you it's hard to recover and if ty ty or gruba because those are the two we can hone in on that like could have a longer career of that group if they do pop in their next spot which we all hope that they do whether that's an okc or not that's not a thunder thing that like they weren't the ones who invested first round picks and then gave them away two years into their career. That's a Houston thing that, that, that did that. So like that doesn't even matter either. And then the, the two Thunder guys would be like we mentioned before, Trey Mann and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, which we won't go over again. But if you move on from one of those two guys, it just means that you got a lot better, a lot quicker than you expected. And that's 
the whole goal in all of this. That's the whole reason you do all of this. Uh, so coming up, let's talk summer league recap. Let's talk what the rotation could look like and what next year's expectations are. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Michael, what are your three biggest takeaways from Summer League? Um, Chet is going to be an impact rim protector day one. And just his gravity, like we talk about Steph on offense, Steph ha- uh, Chet has the same defensively where he reminds me of like a defensive um player in football like a safety who's just like i dare you to throw this i dare you and just leaves them a little bit open and then goes and picks the ball off chet does the same thing where he just like leaves driving spaces open for these guys to go try to get a dunk or a layup and then just erases it and humiliates them i think chet's fine another one would be that um uzman jang has definitely taken steps in the right direction i mean he's still like 19 coming over from another country language barrier and everything he had a weird year where he had multiple injuries and he was playing a lot in the G League, but he looks a lot more mature and a lot more confident in his game. And then just the two guards would bounce back, and that's Trey Mann and Jared Butler. Uh, Trey Mann looked a lot better. His confidence is his biggest issue with me. I don't think it's necessarily as many things on the basketball floor as it just is up top. And then Jared Butler also looked good. I will uh, push back on Jared Butler. I know you're Jared Butler's guy, but in summer league, he did feel like kind of the prototypical summer league guy that succeeds. Uh, in that type of environment, that's not to discredit him, but I don't know how much that'll translate. But overall, the biggest thing that fans need to have a takeaway with is that Chet is for real defensively. Yeah, and I don't think that Jared Butler will translate to the NBA. I, I yeah. my my argument of like a two way deal is, hey, if you need your 18th guy, you're in bad shape. Like, mm-hmm. If this yeah. if this deep of an NBA team, if this deep of a Thunder team needs Jared Butler, they're in pretty bad shape. And like, so let's not worry about that. What can he do in the G League with this team and to organize the blue and to and to maximize the time that you're going to send, uh, you know, Keontae down there and whoever else you're going to send down there? Because we know the Thunder are going to shuffle a lot of guys down there that they really care about. Who can make their life easier and help their life go? And I think that that is Jared Butler. And then you can fill in spot duties, spot minute duties in the NBA whenever you, you so happen to. But that's not really going to be the goal for any two-way guy that's not named Kathy Johnson this year. So the team is so deep that the, that the two-way deals, I'm more so looking at these last two remaining two-way spots as who can help maximize your blue development with whenever you send guys down there that you want to see uh, succeed for the Thunder. And so I think that Jared Butler could do that. I think that Kim McConnell could do that. Uh, but the two-way stuff we'll put on the back burner because there's a lot of uh, more pressing issues to talk about uh, right now. I want to play a game of true, true or false and then get your expectation level for the season. True or false. The Thunder starting lineup this season will be SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, Chet Holmgren. Is this like opening night or for like majority o- of the night. season? I, I'd say true, barring injury, obviously. But yeah, if obviously. everyone's healthy, then yeah, that seems like the uh, the go-to starting lineup for sure. 
True or false? Mitchich is a staple in the rotation from night one and isn't going to get these weird DNPs. Oh, that's that's put me on the spot where I have to like project what Mark is going to think, and that is hard to do. Um, I I think he's going to play over Trey for the majority of the season. I think that he and Kaysen can occupy different spaces. I I'd, I'll be optimistic and say true. There might still be some weird DNPs, but I don't think it's going to be super frequent like the ones where it's like, hey, is Aaron Wiggins still on the team that we heard last year? But there might be some nights where he's just not in the rotation for whatever reason. Maybe it's a bad matchup. True or false. You mentioned him, Aaron Wiggins. He will get his respect in this rotation or he'll still be battling for minutes at the end of it. I think he's going to be battling for minutes. You know me. I'm one of the bigger Aaron Wiggins guys out there and it just feels like there's so much congestion and you have to think about who they've invested in and a guy who they just traded into the top 10 for, he's going to get the nod over Aaron Wiggins just asset wise what they've put into him i mean aaron wiggins like has been a really nice player but picked like 55th overall and he's definitely produced i think he'll still get his opportunity but um i think that guys like uzman jang are also going to get a bite at the apple first before him that's not to say that he's going to be completely out of the rotation he's going to have a chance but i think he's definitely fighting an uphill battle so um i guess what was the question again that you asked uh, that I had needed to have a true or it was false actually for? It was actually a terrible question. I was hoping you wouldn't circle back to it. So I'm going to say true or false. Wiggins is a staple in the rotation. False, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Last true or false one, and then we're going to move on to your expectations. True or false, Casey Wallace plays a game for the OKC Blue. Um, I'd say false unless it's something like he's bouncing back from an injury and they need to rehab him. But I don't think it's going to be Case and Wallace healthy going down to the blue. Okay. I, I, I like that clarification. That is that is covering every base. So we've got that out of the way, which that was our way of kind of breaking down the rotation and how deep this team is. With all that being said, knowing how deep this team is, knowing the talent on this team, that they're a young team, they're going to take these 82 games seriously. What are your expectations for this Thunder team? Um, they're going to be very competitive. I think they're going to be close to the record they had last season, which isn't an indictment on Chet or anything like that. I just think that it's very hard. Joe and I talked about it on the Thunder Buddies the other day, actually, that there's like 10 guys who actually like really swing your win-loss record by like double-digit-wise. But I'd say that they're a team in like the six to four range, maybe a lot of this volatility just comes down to who's healthy and who's not. And the thunder for a large portion of last year, up until Shea got COVID, they were very healthy. So I would say around six to four would be my expectation Four is probably the ceiling. Um, but I think they're going to be a very competitive team. They are going to have the downside of teams are going to be ready for them. Now. I don't think they're going to be catching teams off guard anymore, but I think that they're going to be, right in the middle of the fight in the West that they were last season for large portions for Shea went out for a while. So just to clarify, you think that they're going to, you think that they're going to avoid the play in tournament this year? Um, I mean, I would guess that they're higher, like uh, that six ish range, but six and seven is pretty close. So I, I mean, it is, it, is. It, it wouldn't shock me, but I, I'd say that they are closer to four, five, six than they are to nine, 10, 11 ish range. Good, good clarification. Um, before we get you out of here, do you have any NBA in season tournament takes? Um, I like the in season tournament. Uh, Joe said that we should 
that NBA team should hang a banner for it. I said, no, that should be a giant trophy. I want the, the exact same trophy being hung. And then I don't know. It, it's the end season tournament's really interesting. I just wonder if it's going to matter based on who wins it the first one. My hottest take would be, I guess, that I think for people to respect it in the first year, one of the teams that wins it needs to be at least in the conference finals. Because what we don't want to see is the Chicago Bulls led by DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic win it and then get knocked out in the play-in tournament. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting angle at it. Are we going to head to Vegas if the Thunder in the Final Four? Um, If I can get credentialed and we can find some good hotel space and we don't overheat in the sun, I'd love to. That'd be great. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. With all those extra qualifiers, I'm going to hold you to that. Michael, thanks for joining us. We did a lot of good stuff today, if I do say so myself. Where can they find all of your expertise? Captain Qualifier over here. But um, yeah, at Thunderbud Pod on Twitter is where you'll see the Thunder Buddies pod um, just feed at Michael on Sports for my stuff. And then, like you mentioned, I've been writing for Thunderous Intentions. I'm going to have something released this weekend, actually, about the three teams in the East that got worse. So look forward to that. I've got some hot takes in there as always, but um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at any point at Michael and sports, but thanks again for having me. This was fun. Thanks for coming on. Love having you on the show. Love having you now at thunderous intentions. And so folks until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.